0: Yeah
1: right. And reworking five four Take two three two one Where was I supposed to start from? <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about it Ty. you'll cut this together later I'll
2: Figure it out Who cares? <laughs> I don't care he doesn't care <laughs> I care though
0: <laughs> Listen you okay. forgot the equipment <clears throat> I came late You saved my butt she was here one minute late You saved her butt John comes out and says Hey I'm sorry, you be on time, don't worry, because Ty forgot all the equipment. All of it. And I said, why would he forget the equipment? Why, when I'm gonna come on and do my son's podcast with Natalie, I've been looking forward to it, why would he forget? He John said, because he loved your show so much that he forgot. I just wanted to drop that in there on you, okay? <laughs> because I know you wouldn't do it, but you made my night. Ty came to the show at the South Point and he said some of the nicest thing. when a young guy like you says that to a performer who's been doing this sixty years. Oh yeah. it goes right to the heart. Thank you, Ty. What did he
2: say? There you go.
0: It's true. What did he say? Oh, man, he, he, I if mean, you followed he, him on
1: Instagram, you'd know. He I called follow me him he called Instagram. my performance love. a
0: precisioned, I love that word, a precisioned, which is The furthest I am from anything (laughs) is precision. But he, for some reason, saw me as a precisioned entertainer, a master on the stage. I'm repeating this for a reason so that you all can hear it. And he said all this stuff to me. John sends me your... um,
1: The the, screenshots. I took screenshots of it. And he
0: says says all this to me. I I got on the phone with him. I was really humbled by that, by the way. I'm not kidding you. It means a lot. It means a lot. How's that for
1: a warm open? Huh? You like that? I don't
0: have words. You like that? (laughs) I was just telling the wife before I left here.
1: We did did your gender reveal on the show. You told me that
0: too. Now you're getting shout outs from dad. It's it's, it's it's becoming the Ty Harris show, you know?
1: And you're not even in front of the camera. Why don't you like come in the front you, so they like you can know? see what we're talking about? I love it. Come on. Come around. Come on. Come around. I mean, they got to see. And
2: show those, off your new yeah. hat. they got to see. Look at
0: him. There How, what, he what is. A,
1: and you got him there a
0: hat. I mean, this is a and big... And look at
1: this. Look at this, guest. i got him a hat.
0: i got him a hat, yeah.
1: Yeah. hat and everything. Matching hats. You guys yeah, yeah. are, like, yeah. bonded yeah. now. Yeah. Matching yeah. hats. Oh, yeah. That's my hat. You're the black Tony Orlando.
0: Precision photographer. A black Tony. Actually, he's Puerto Rican. You know. Oh, Puerto Rican. Yeah. Yes. Do you speak Spanish también? Yes. No kidding. Liar. <laughs> you do? I know you Spanish. Like
2: not as much. Okay. <laughs> no, no. But I understood all of that. Okay. Well, there all you right.
0: go. So are you all Puerto Rican? Uh, half an half. What's the other half? Uh, African-American. African-American, Puerto Rican? There you go. Perfect comedy soulful dude, man.
1: Yeah, he can sing. He's got chops. We, I'm not kidding. Sure. Maybe indeed. we just need to turn this into your show. Don't do that. Wait,
2: you, you know? sing? <laughs> Why am I just learning? Yes, he <laughs> sings. Yeah. This whole time? But hey,
0: enough about him. Anyways, Let's talk bye. about I him. i got to ask you a question. What? Bye. Tell me. This is the first time I'm doing your podcast. Yep. I think we did a well, we did.
1: you did Action Junkies up in oh, the hotel room with me and first Jake. Started. when we've, Yeah, like, yeah. How many years back? Two. Two years
0: ago? Yeah. yeah. I never asked you this then. What's it like doing? You're interviewing your pops. What, what is... Yeah. What well, goes through your head? Yeah,
1: it's, it's... Natalie, I'm going to
0: ask you the same thing. Okay. I don't know... Because you if, weren't born yet.
1: I don't know if weird is the right word. So it's like, you know, I had Jerry Royce on, as you know, on, on actual Junkies. And a great show.
0: Um,
1: thank you. And, uh, you know, I told the story, like, I remember when Jerry, I remember being in Tommy's dressing room with you you know, back in the Dodger locker room, Tommy had this big dressing room, and Jerry Royce, I'm like 10, nine or 10 years old, and Jerry Royce was a star pitcher for the team back then, and uh, he's all of like six foot six, six seven, whatever, he's really tall, and I'm sitting on this couch and he's six six, and it's nothing for like, it's the locker room, so it's nothing for those guys, like they literally take a shower, and they come in and like they're talking about the game, naked yeah like you know hey tommy uh sorry about the fourth inning you know whatever and i'm you know a little kid you i'm lucky. sitting on a couch you and there's lucky, a guy six foot man. yeah there's a guy six foot six next to me you know so high level yeah yeah, yeah. Well, who was next to him
0: that was was scary who was next to him naked tommy, tommy. Was yeah now that's a sight to behold Let me yeah tell you. and i said to tommy i'll never forget this maybe you don't remember i said tommy this is gonna affect my son for the, re- for the I rest remember. Of his You're forever. Like, can't you put something
1: on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that so to have and then fast forward whatever, forty years, that hurts. Uh, and have Jerry on the show was like just like you can't get your head wrapped around it, you know? And like what did he say
0: about standing there like that? He yeah, say? he laughed.
1: He just <laughs> laughed, you know. Um, but but when I think of like Vegas, you know, like this was definitely home away from home, you know. I mean I, was, I can remember being here as young as like maybe five or six years old all your life yeah like Riviera you know I remember looking ac- from the window I could see Circus Circus across the street from Riviera and I was like
0: oh my god I want to no, go I in there I've never heard any of it what what are the memories you look out. you, saw, you think of, of Riviera you think of Circus Circus yeah and and then what what um, comes up next
1: like, the all the backstage stuff was always mm. exciting to me. Like, all of the, do, yeah. you know, like, you get, like, so you back then, I don't know if you still use it, but you used to wear, uh, cologne-wise, you used to wear, it it was like super cheap, but it smelled Joe so Van. good Joe on Van. you. Jovan, Jovan, I use Musk. it to this day. To this do day, you?
0: I admit it, I use it to this day. It's it cost $9 at <laughs> <of> Walgreens. <laughs> and You're every kidding. time I put it on, females go, what are you wearing? <laughs>
1: seriously so good it's and like so like when i think <laughs> of my dad when i was little like i think of being in his dressing room and and uh vanessa always uh likes the fact that when we, when we go out of town we go to a hotel i lay out on a white towel all of my stuff and that's because you had all your yeah, stuff yeah.
0: wow laid out on a him, white that towel man imprint. i never th- isn't that crazy? Yeah. And so uh, So that it would all be nice and neat and yep. clean Yep Like yeah.
2: your cologne Your Yeah brushes, the cologne The toothbrush
1: Yeah the hair gel Whatever How long you know. is
2: that towel though? <laughs> just a small Yeah <laughs> just, just a small the, little yeah, towel yeah, yeah yeah
1: And I would lay it all out and, and I That's like those Isn't that weird? Those are the things that are in my mind And like just the backstage Like the You getting Vanessa's, ready
2: Vanessa's thanking you she Yeah, like You
0: know Natalie you. This is really a, This is interesting <laughs> I'm hearing this for the first time Yeah oh. So I didn't know What was going through That little boy's head Yeah you know, now you're not a little boy anymore. Right. <laughs> but you'll always be a little boy to me. I hate yeah, to tell you that. Yeah. Probably hate hearing that. <laughs> Truth of the matter is you're my son forever. But what... Uh, so when I was on stage, was that like, oh, daddy does that for a living? That's his job? Or like, wow, he stinks? Or what? No, it was wow, like, he's wow, good, that, yeah, what?
1: it was just like, oh, that's what you do. Didn't but, like, I knew you were really good at it because, like, A, you could just, even as a little kid, like, uh, like I liked it, you know. And but the audience reaction was crazy, especially back then. Like you know, I mean, it's still crazy, really. But like
0: the biggest thrill I got from you being in the audience, I'll uh, be honest. I don't think I ever told you this, Natalie. I played Broadway in a show called Barnum, the life story of P.T. Barnum, and it was an award-winning show. The one of with Glenn Close, you did it
1: with Glenn Close. Glenn Close was my
0: co-star. Oh, wow. And John came to see that show. And I think that show affected you more than anything I'd ever done at, up to that point. Yeah. Because he came out of that going, Dad, wow, you walked the wire in this show? and You walked a tightrope. I walked a tightrope. Like rope.
1: 20 feet off the ground. I don't even know how many feet up. 12, 12 feet. 12 but, feet, but looks but your like eyes, 20, yeah. But your eyes, wow. if you're wait, six wait, feet did tall. You have on? Huh?
0: No. No, 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 no. Oh. And you walked That's 33 impressive. feet across. Yeah. And uh, aren't you singing while you're walking? or? And I did a split on this. Right. I did a split. Just so you know, I used to be able to do a split, okay, <laughs> on a wire. guys. Nice. Yeah. Wow. If I did that now, I'd be dead. Yeah. But truthfully, I did. And uh, John came to see That's the show, great. and I remember all he kept saying was, now this is something. Broadway affected him.
1: Yeah. And then the, the crowd's reaction in Broadway is so... Unlike any other place. Well, you're a
0: dancer. I am a dancer. And so Broadway could be a big part of your life, right? I mean,
2: not necessarily. It's more of a triple threat. You have to be able to sing and act. And I mean, I can act. I don't think I can't sing. For the can't sing? For me. No. I can sing. It just doesn't sound good. <laughs> no one's gonna. But you wanted to you be I a dancer, Natalie,
0: from the you're a little girl. I, right? I was a
2: gymnast before a dancer, there and then go. I lost the love for gymnastics. While I was in gymnastics, we trained in dance to do did the floor Did you see this recent beam? girl,
0: gymnastic girl, do a triple? No, a triple. I off didn't the, see it.
2: Off what?
0: Off the. It, it's the first time anyone's done a triple, four times, four times.
1: A quadruple, I guess.
0: A but quadru- like on the.
2: Floor?
0: Off the walking beam. Off the beam. Off the beam.
2: Wow.
0: And then she also did it on the off the floor. You know the dance yeah. thing to do across the floor. Uh-huh. And all the stances and all that. Yeah, she did it then too. Just I need came to see up. This. You gotta, you gotta Google that. Okay, I don't know I'm gonna her Google name, it. But it's amazing. I'm
2: gonna Google it. Yeah, no, Broadway is out of my reach, especially at my age. Should have started young. But, it's
0: but okay. that's that's the beginning of being a dancer.
2: Right.
0: And you know, dancers. You know, Sammy Davis Jr., who was a great entertainer in his day, long before you were born. But Sammy was considered the greatest entertainer of all time, and he used to say. The dancers in Vegas never got their respect and due. They're I the agree. hardest workers. To this day. They're the hardest workers. Mm-hmm. They get the least amount of, you know, billboarding. People don't know their names. They come off the stage, they're sweating. They they make you look good, the performer. They're, they're stretching for two hours before the show, mm-hmm. like athletes. And th- really, they, uh, uh, but I think the dancer now is finally, I think Michael Jackson had a lot to do with bringing dancing into a, a place that the average person realizes is a a stellar job to do.
2: Yeah, I agree, agree with that.
0: Don't did you he, think he did that?
2: If, yeah, I agree. I think just all of the singers that became dancers and did more pop related and then had dancers copy their movements and then toured, that but he was gave, the first. gave a name for the dancers, yeah.
0: Yeah, he was As the first. To just a and then and the your friend the J-Lo, I saw her in and Vegas, and I'm going to talk to her about you, Natalie. Exactly. I'm going to say, J.Lo, I know a dancer that's got to be in your show.
1: I agree. But just remind J.Lo that she's booked on Thursdays, okay? I'm J-Lo, sorry. You, we got to work watch around it. J.Lo, work around if you're watching
0: it. this podcast or listening on John Orlando's podcast with Natalie, <laughs> yes. I, yes. I suggest that you listen carefully. Resume, to resume right here. Resume. From one <laughs> Puerto Rican <laughs> to another. No, two Puerto Ricans to another. Natalie is a killer dancer.
2: Thank you. Yay. I like it. Cheers. I'll take it.
1: I give you celebrity testimonials oh my here. Okay? That
2: is going That's on. That's what my I bring resume. to the table for
1: you. But yeah, growing up uh, it was it was it was crazy. Like I remember so many things like that, like how cool I thought it was like when your name was on the marquee. The marquees are different now, too. Like it doesn't like Vegas cuz they're
0: I don't so, know, they flash. they're
1: so and it's there's so many hotels now or like back then. Screen had, and screens all these movies. Right now they right. screen like back then it was like that old school marquee, and it was it was that like old showbiz like they you know, were Tony special. Orlando, like musical director Reg Powell, you know. They, and, were, and, uh, they
0: were special. And
1: you had Riv, you had the Hilton, you had the Sands, you had Caesars, and I want to say that's it, right? Desert Inn. Desert Inn. Right. right. The Hilton. But, the Hilton. Right. The Hilton. But, like, That's now it. it's up and, right, there was no Mirage, there was no Treasure Island, there was no Planet Hollywood, there was no uh, Bellagio, there was no Cosmo, so Vegas was so different, too.
0: And, you know, those of you who live in Vegas know the street McLeod. If you took a Flamingo to McLeod, one step beyond McLeod was literally all desert. Yeah. There was no homes. Now I'm talking 1970s, all right? You go past McLeod now, you can go on and on, and on, and on, and on.
1: Is it, like I remember, another thing I think about is, I remember, I don't know how old I was, you, we were sitting maybe in the Hilton, up in that big suite you used to get, like the Elvis suite or whatever, right? That
0: was his suite, yeah. And uh, we would all get that same suite.
1: And I remember you saying something like back then, you were like, well, this had to be like, maybe like late 80s, maybe. And I remember you saying, like, middle, some middle, middle 80s. Okay. Like 84. You, you were like, Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, Elton John, Boys the Men. You they'll that? all be playing here someday, and it's going to be harder for people like me. And I remember thinking... Can you said that? Yeah. I and swear. I remember thinking... I can't that that believe that you remember also that. Said, you also said, or they're going to go to, like, big production shows, like big magic shows. There was no Cirque du Soleil yet, but the, that's where you were headed in your head. Yep. And I remember thinking, which I've done many times with, you've said showbiz related, whether it's advice whatever, I think, he's crazy. And then years later, Here we are. he's correct. <laughs> he correct. Well, there was a guy in town, Jono,
0: there was a guy, Natalie, who wrote for the uh, Review Journal, when he did an interview with me while I was working in Branson, Missouri, about Las Vegas. And I said to him, trust me, everybody you think that won't work Vegas, because remember something, when I worked Vegas in the 70s, if you turned on Saturday Night Live, they were making fun of Vegas. It was not cool to be in Vegas. Oh, it's
2: like where you go to right. die, where your career ends right. type of thing? And that's no,
0: why I like, thought he was crazy. It was, like, it was like, oh, Vegas, that's where they go with brown shoes and white socks. Right. Oh, yeah, that's a, it was like corny to be in Vegas. Right. Okay." okay so there was it was like not a cool thing
1: there were like two food groups of entertainers at least my impression back then was there was the people in your class right there was like the the you paul anka Mm, Tom uh, tom jones engelbert engelbert like those guys that were you were in a class of your own as respected entertainers And then there was, like, Elvis impersonators and... and But there
0: was also the classic rock bands would say, we ain't playing Vegas. Right, that's what I mean. That's for bubblegum singers like like Tony Orlando. We ain't gonna play no Vegas. They ain't hip enough. Right, it wasn't cool to play here. And I told that reporter, you wait and see. Elton John will be headlining in Vegas. He laughed at me. Oh, you're kidding. Now the day that Elton opens, to his credit, this writer wrote a whole article about that interview I did, where he thought I was crazy. Yeah. And Paul McCartney worked here. Elton John worked here. They all, all the of list them. Goes on Rod Stewart, and on and on. Yeah. all the ones that would say, "I ain't
1: playing Vegas." Now they all want residencies. Of
0: course. <laughs> to be honest with you, the only one who wanted to play Vegas out of that crew of guys was John Lennon. Really? He was the only one who said, "Oh, someday I want to play Vegas." Wow. It was interesting. That he was the only one. Everybody else was going. Ah, you're kidding me. I won't play that town. And now, it's completely the other way. It completely turned around. Back yeah. in
1: the day, how many weeks did you work out here in a year?
0: I worked 24 weeks a year, but That's I like worked half the year. I but I worked, there. but I worked.
1: Wow.
0: Three shows a night, seven days a week. Three nope. shows a night. Three shows a night. Woo. Seven, ten, midnight. Three shows in the main room, not in the lounge, in the main room, from uh, um, all week, seven days, seven days, seven days. So 20 some odd days, 21 days of no days off, three shows a night.
1: Wow. wow. That is
0: That's what we were working here. Woo.
1: And, and that o'clock. was
0: Sinatra, right? Sammy Davis, the Rat Pack, all of us. I
2: wish we had those midnight shows again.
1: I would love midnight shows. I would
2: love shows. midnight shows in
1: Las Vegas. So do you remember the first time you played here? Where, where were you? Was that Sahara? I worked the
0: lounge. The first time I, the first time I worked here was in the lounge at the Hilton, Las Vegas Hilton, and I shared the, the 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 gig with a young singer named Kenny Rogers. So I would go on at six o'clock at night, do my set, then Kenny would come on, do his set, and then. I would come on with the girls that with Dawn, then he would come on, and we'd do this all the way till six in the morning.
1: And this was in the lounge.
0: In the lounge. And you had the yet? Yeah, we had. had Not three times. Not three times. Not yellow ribbon. Okay. And Elvis was in the main room, and Kenny and I were in the lounge, and Lee Greenwood also was in the lounge with us, and we would work. There's twelve hours. Now I'll never forget. This is the truth, John about now you know what it is when the Sun comes up and you've been up all night it's like are you kidding me (laughs) right so six o'clock in the morning I'm on stage and the Sun's coming up and I'm ready to just get to bed and I have to do a show in a room that lounge held 300 people that was big for a lounge sure and I'm sitting and I get on stage, and there's one guy in the audience at six o'clock in the morning. One guy. And what is he doing? He's laying down on his table like this. So I look at the maitre d' and I go, he goes, drunk. Right. So I figure well, I might as well have fun with this. So I sat at the table. And I sang the whole show to this drunk, one guy. I just sat next to him. (laughs) And I did the whole show, and I'm sitting there, and I'm doing the show. Well, the word got out that I only had one person in the lounge that night. The next night, I'm on stage, and I see this kind of white in, in the corner of my eye come out. And it's Elvis Presley, and he walks behind me, but he doesn't know that the other side of the stage... There's no exit. It's the bar, so he couldn't leave. So he comes in. He, I see him stop and go. Oh, oh my God! What right. now? Then he turns around, and he, and he stops. He comes to me and he does the famous. Thank you very much. And he walks off the stage. <laughs> during well, the set. During the set. Well, <laughs> oh. everybody went. I went. You, you do know who that was, everybody, right? Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah, I was wrestling, He was every night after that, up until six in the morning. I had a packed house, because the word got out was that Elvis does it all the time. (laughs) And so they would come in, packed house, and that's when I I became friends with Elvis. And Sammy Shore, who recently passed away, was his opening act. So it's um. crazy. But that's how I got to meet Elvis Presley. He, he came. I said, why did you do that? He said, I heard that you were out there working to one guy. He said, what well, you didn't know, Tony, was the one guy was actually one of the waiters. <laughs> <laughs> you had nobody in your audience. No. <laughs> now, Elvis
1: said, Elvis publicly, uh, one funny. of your songs, one of your first songs was one of his favorites. It was in his oh, jukebox or yeah, something, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah what an honor.
0: He, uh, when I was 16 years old, I had a number one record, that's 1961, and it was called Halfway to Paradise, so I get this little note, your mother will tell you this is true, I get this little note, because your mother worked for Elvis, right? and she, she was the head of his publishing company, so I get this note, it says, Dear Tony, I put Halfway to Paradise in my jukebox, signed Elvis. I kept it, I never believed it, I didn't know him at the time, so all these years go by from 61 to 1973, 72, that night when I meet Elvis, I said, can I ask you a question, did you ever hear a song called Halfway to Paradise? He goes, it's in my jukebox, I sent you a note, didn't you ever get it? (laughs) I almost passed out, I said, wait a minute. That really was true. He goes, "No, that really is true." I said, "Oh my God, Elvis!" I said, "I don't know where that note is." I said, "I didn't believe it was you." No, you
2: don't have it still.
0: Maybe your mom has it. Oh no! You know, I don't know. She, she was I'll always find someone. To, she was always someone to store stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But no, really, I, I. Uh,
1: there's a there's a newspaper article though somewhere. Um, I don't know if you sent it to me. Someone once sent it to me that it, it actually says that it was like a, it was an interview from Elvis, and they asked him or something like favorite songs in your jukebox or something like that.
0: And three of his guys that wrote books read; they all wrote that in the book. Right. He had. He had. Funny enough, in that article that you're talking about, when they interviewed him, they asked him who he listens to. I'll cut it out so you know I'm not lying. Okay, I have it home. That I didn't lose. <laughs> and he says. He listened to a guy named Roy Hamilton, which you guys would not know. But if I told you to listen to Roy Hamilton's song called Don't Let Go, which I recorded, too.
1: Oh.
0: Hear the I, l- never l- knew,
1: I never knew that was a remake until just right. now. <laughs>
0: so Roy, Roy actually cut. You, Laura, and and he would second. sing it like this. <laughs> Here that whistle is there Don't let okay. go. Sounding like Elvis. Yep. So Elvis would listen to Roy Hamilton. In fact, when Roy Hamilton passed away, Elvis was at his bedside. So, Roy Hamilton was one, Tom Jones was one of his favorite singers. Brooke Benton, another voice name you wouldn't remember, was one of his favorites. Rainy Night in Georgia, that was his big hit. And then my name. And I said, wait a minute. I'm in the list of of Elvis' favorite singers. And so I asked Priscilla, who I, you know, we're friends with. I said, Priscilla, does somebody just say that because they know we're friends? And no! No, he would listen to your stuff all the time. It was, I said, I can retire now, <laughs> you know?
1: Crazy. It's so much history. I know. Well, it's been
0: a great journey. Oh, you know, I'll tell you something. I never saw high school. I'm in show business 60 years. My palate has tasted the foods of 40 countries. I've worked for eight presidents of the United States. I've sold somewhere between 150 to 175 million records. I had my own network television show when there was only three networks, CBS. I was part of a happening where we were the first multiracial group to have a, have a prime time show, the Tony Lando and Dawn show. I worked Broadway. I've won three American Music Awards. I've been nom- nominated for a Grammy five times. i won the um, People's Choice Awards three times.
1: And the first People's Choice Award
0: for male entertainer. How, How about that? Ever? How yeah. about that? that wow. I- other, yeah. so, so when you look at this ride, and it is a that, that's what it feels like, a ride, all the points of light This shouldn't have happened to me. And I really believe that I've just been touched by an angel. I I really believe God gave me this path. Maybe I did something wonderful with my sister who was mentally retarded and cerebral palsied, and she was raised by my hands. Maybe God blessed me for that, because by no... I'm not the greatest dancer in the world, for sure. I'm not the greatest singer in the world, for sure. I'm no great comedian, for sure. I'm not the greatest actor in the world, for sure. I would say just above mediocre on all those points, and yet this is my 60th year in this business. I've just been blessed and lucky, really. And that blessing was transposed onto you because you grew up in the locker room of the Dodgers. You, you grew up in a mansion in Brentwood, 10,000 square foot home, that to you, it was your house, your home, not some mansion. Right. It was where you lived with your cats.
2: Poor thing. You know? <laughs> had cats back then, what too. What a terrible you know? way yeah, to grow up. Yeah, you Poor know, thing. so
0: you you experienced the same blessing. God had his hand on you, too, because whatever happened to me was transposed right onto you. And your mother did a great job in raising you because I wasn't there. I mean, you got to give the credit to her and you for having the self-respect that you had for yourself. Because, you know, I was on the road or trying to make it or in the studio more than I was home.
1: It's weird. I don't feel like that, though. It's it's weird that you, I've heard you say that to me before. Like, yeah. But when I think of me growing up, I don't ever think of like I always think of it. I everything I relate to in life, I relate to sports, whether it's Dodger games or times of year or times of my life or whatever, or like, so little league games, like I feel like he was at every single little league game. Like maybe you missed a handful over whatever, 10 years or whatever, but you know what I mean? Like, so in my brain, like, I don't, I know you were on the road like 24 weeks, 26 weeks, whatever it is. Just remember
0: something, the game was an hour, two hours long. Right. It was a full day.
1: Right, but in my head, like the the, um, the stuff that like mattered as a kid, you were always there. Well, I hope. Right? Birthdays, Thank little e games, oh, like all that wonderful. stuff like you were there. So I don't ever that's, feel rare. like yeah. even you were doing the TV show, those were like 18-hour days, right? I never
0: saw you. But I don't think of I don't re- I don't
1: I tell you the like funniest
0: thing John there. ever yeah. did well, when another. it comes to me and my TV show and movies. This is just the god's truth. I do a movie called 300 Miles <laughs> for Stephanie for television.
1: I know exactly what he's going to say. And he,
0: I think, okay, so the movie came out in 1980, so yeah, how old? Oh, 10, you were,
1: gonna be 10, yeah.
0: You were gonna be 10. I thought of you even younger than that. Yeah. Okay, you were 10 years old. And I said, okay, we had this big screen TV in this house, before anybody had big screen TV. And I said, okay, John, we're gonna watch Daddy's movie oh yeah we are. we're gonna watch this movie my first movie yeah oh boy now we got the movie on there's a scene where I kissed the girl <sighs> John got pissed <laughs> John got off my lap and said, don't you ever do that to my mother again. <laughs> don't you ever do that to her. How? That's terrible what you did there, <gasps> Daddy. Don't you do it. I said, John, it's Aww. a movie. I don't care. <laughs> right, that was horrible what you had to. Look at what you had to put mom through. <laughs> right, right, right. He ran the riot act on me. <laughs> Tell me I'm lying. You are not lying. Uh, he, kicked, you? he kicked Nine my ass. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He verbally kicked yeah. my ass yeah. Yeah. for sure.
2: That's funny. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's not what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say when you were filming that you came home. I don't think I knew that you were doing a movie. Like uh, you came home, I was eating dinner. I remember being in the kitchen, but in the movie he shaves the mustache off, and so you walked into the house and I was like, and I looked like you. I was like, who's that? Like I didn't even know who that was. And he was like, always had a mustache. Listen,
0: I did a movie called The Rosemary Clooney Story, and the lead woman in the was Sarah, Sandra Locke she was Clint Eastwood's woman uh, and
1: Rosemary Clooney just for your knowledge is George Clooney's aunt okay okay
0: right and she was a now famous and she was yeah. a, and she was a and famous for the, everybody else. and was. Rosemary Clooney was a famous famous big singer jazz singer in the 40s and 50s so was my point uh, mustache. You, mustache. We're talking about mustache. So, I had to shave off my mustache, so I had to put on a phony one later on. In the movie, but in the first part of the movie, I had no mustache, and I was, I was literally 171 pounds. I had a 29 waist, okay, and I look <laughs> I at the, I have a I look at okay. I look at the photo now. It's true. I had a 29 waist. I look at the photo now. I'll show it to you, Vanessa, I'll show it to you, Natalie. Everybody that sees it go, oh my God, you look like John. It was the only time where I could say, oh yeah, I look just like John. I was thin enough and the same features.
1: And when you had a 29 waist and you were 171 pounds, didn't you get a letter from the network
0: saying you were too fat? I can't believe you remember that. (gasps) I actually got a letter
1: you what? know, I Body
0: always, shaming in the '70s was a thing. How my about mind that? Infl- they told you know, you? <laughs> you, you know what happened. I have, wow. if I weighed 170, I still had a double chin on television. I always had this. You can look at pictures of me when I'm, you know, 25 years old, like this, and I always had this. So on cameras, you know, Natalie. Yeah. You you gain weight. We um, do. Especially television. Yes,
2: five pounds.
0: Uh, easy, Four right? More. So. I get a call from the head, the president of the company, a CBS. He says, "Tony, I got to talk to you." What? Well, it says me. You know, I'm sending a note down with Bob Tamplin, my vice president. And I look, at says, "You're too fat. Lose weight." I can't believe it. Now, that. what he forgets is he didn't know is I had already lost 100 pounds. I was always. Weight was always an albatross on my back. I always fought weight. Wait,
2: you lost 100 pounds?
0: Prior to the TV show. Yeah. the TV show. show. Yeah. I lost 100 for pounds. for the TV show. For kind my career, For your basically. career, okay. yeah. And prior to that, Does I was a vice, I was vice president of CBS. I was running the music division for Clive Davis at CBS for four years. So I was behind the desk. And I got bigger and bigger like I am sense. now.
1: That's but when you were 24. Right, you were like I was, I
0: was 23, okay. just 23. By the time I got to do the television show, you know, um, which was 1973, I had, once I had Candida, our first million seller, I went to Dr. Atkins himself, and I went on that protein diet that's so famous today. He put me on it and I lost 100 pounds. So when I got this note, I'm going, wait a minute, I've lost 100 pounds pounds. and I'm getting a letter saying you're too fat what do I do now
2: I'd be devastated
0: but there's nothing more I could do I could never get lower than that right no matter what you know
2: People still loved you so regardless but I look at pictures of me
0: now and I go holy mackerel I was looking good, Natalie. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You would be looking at me in those days. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Bell
2: bottoms and everything? Oh, bell, bell bottoms. Yeah.
0: Platform bell
1: shoes.
0: Bell shoes. Oh, now we're talking. And hair the hair, the whole bit, the high heels. Matter
1: everything. of fact, Ty, insert a yeah, photo please. of Tony Orlando from, like, the 70s right there. You already okay. got okay. it? Okay, all right. Oh, yeah.
2: yes. I so when worry. you
1: had that show, when you first, when that show first went on the air, you were, like, 28, right? The TV show? Are you like in your head? Like, I'm still waiting for that, and you probably are too, like that I've arrived moment. Like that break. Right? Mm -hmm. Like when you.
0: You arrived a long time
2: ago. You just don't understand. You know what I always tell people? Your opinion of
0: arriving is is money. My opinion of arriving is not money. My, My opinion of arriving is a class guy who doesn't have an enemy on the planet who is really a kind-hearted, smart, great salesman, who loves family, and stays in touch with his friends, that's a success. Everything else is bullshit, John. I
2: agree with him, and the thing is, I tell myself, too, I have to remind myself, if I write down all the shows and gigs and places I've been, the list is this long. It's impressive. I have to remind myself, I've done a lot already, so maybe you don't feel like it, but right. you just have to remind yourself, you've no, done a lot has, already. You've done- remember
0: what he had to... For a, for a young guy who had to grow up, seeing this father become this thing, Poor. Me. He's, kept his, he's kept his head together pretty good, because you know what? He never showed jealousy. He always gave the love up to his pops. He always said, you're great dad and my father's great he was always proud of me mm-hmm. that was That's the saving factor if he didn't if he wasn't able to be that kind of human being he'd be a mess like a lot of those like mess. a lot of those kids were yeah. from from people who made yeah. it in show business but in my opinion you've already made it you know in you know what happened to me is as rare as you know as a rainbow coming up in this in this building right now right, right. Is it doesn't happen and It should never be as a comparison. What makes great success is the kind of man you are, the kind of human being you are, the, the, the way you treat Vanessa with respect, and you give her nothing but accolade, but at the same time, you maintain your own self. And to me, you're hard to find. She's lucky to have you.
1: Yeah, remember that, okay?
2: It's on camera. <laughs> no, I mean, I know she
0: <laughs> knows right that. She's right there, but I have I to, know, I know have to she say knows that because think. that's what yeah. Vanessa's about. <laughs> Vanessa's but about that. So, Thank you. So it's the truth. So your image of making it, waiting for that moment, but to answer your question about 28, what went through my mind? Yeah. There was no connection. Really? It only happened retrospectively. So now when I look back, I go, wow, wait a minute, I did that? But while I was doing it, I was just doing it. You're just, right. you just, you're in
1: the moment. You're just in it. Like so, like when you, s- you turn on the radio and they're playing your song, top of the hour, and it's like, and the number one is. Oh no, kind of no, no, dogs. no!
0: I'd be in the car going, holy shit. Okay. I'm, I'm one, number one, but I wouldn't, it wouldn't, I wouldn't dwell on it. It was one.
1: Of, is that because you, you know, you have to like now you're in this? It's almost like you're a, ha- a hamster on the wheel, right? You know right? what like helped
0: you, me? You know what helped me? I had a book. Give it to me. I don't remember who gave it to me. I must have been 15 years old. It's still out there. It's called Notes to Myself. The author is Hugh Prather. That was his name. The book sold five million copies to college students. It's this thick, little tiny book. Yep. And in it, he writes a line I never forgot Fame isn't really fame at all, it only appears that way from a distance. So now, what does that mean? You put my name up on the marquee, okay? Person that doesn't know me walks down the street and goes, "Ah, Tony Orlando's working here. Wow, look, Tony Orlando's here, right? Some fan. John walks up to that same marquee and goes, oh yeah, my dad's here. (laughs) True. It only appears that way from the distance of the person that doesn't know me. But the person living in the house, Did you take out the garbage? <laughs> or you, you know, it's, it's So it's really something that happens in other people. It's perception, not reality. It's like a mirage. It really isn't there. Fame really isn't there. You're still the same human being. You're still the same person, but all the stuff that goes with so-called fame, people get caught up in it. But if you rape the fame, if you remove the clothing of fame, it's bullshit. It comes down to being a good person, Having a good home, having great kids, and having a good dinner once in a while. I mean, that's really it. That's yeah. really it. Everything else, we, all, all the young people here who think they're going to they're stay young and beautiful, at ends. They become fat and old. <laughs> it's <Can't> automatic. <laughs> it's automatic. I can't wait.
1: Even. And if they don't become don't fat and old,
0: sometimes they look too young for their own good when they reach that age. They almost look like why you're working so hard to be looking the uh, age that you're not. That's a turnoff. There's nothing graceful about that. More graceful to have a woman meet up with her age and accept it. There's beauty in that. Right. So, the truth of the matter is, the very simplest things that make a person great, in my opinion, and this is not just your father talking. I'm talking about a man to man you have already reached because you've never you've never embarrassed your family you've never been an asshole you've never done anything to hurt anybody if you have it was unintentional you're trying to make it in the business and sometimes you say things that do you shouldn't do that goes for everybody so i say this on your podcast because long time from now when i'm long gone you can read you could play it again and hear that you're my idol i respect you for the Aww. man that you are, and show. that's the truth.
1: <laughs> that's yeah, the truth. Thank you. So I'm not
0: just saying that, but I'm one of the fortunate fathers that knows that. A lot of fathers don't get, don't, don't reach that plateau with their kids. And the same with my daughter Jenny. My daughter Jenny is, she's Saint. She's ready for sainthood. I mean, she's one of the kindest, most wonderful girls you'll ever want to meet. No harm, no, no hate. Loves her brother. And idolizes her brother. So and and is um, probably smarter than 99% of the people I meet, but she doesn't know it. If there's, yeah. a, if there's a fault in Jenny, she doesn't realize how capable she really is. Yeah. So Okay, Jenny. Yeah, she does <laughs> and I tell her that all the time. But I'm very fortunate in that respect that I have two kids that are my friends that have never really given me one day, not one day of pain or embarrassment or they've been class all the way so you know and those of you at home listening to this podcast if you were in my shoes and you're doing your son's podcast for the first time I didn't mean to say all of this (laughs) even you know I'll take it it I'll take it. it it just came out it just came out but no, man, I, I love you know, have
1: this forever too. I'll have more pictures with quotes from him on it now. Oh, you have oh, yeah. for Instagram. Yeah. You have no idea what I'm going to do with all this footage. But
0: you know what else, Vanessa and Natalie? We we're sitting here with friends. John never worked for a company. Now, think of that. He's 150 years old, <laughs> and he's never worked for you a company. You look great. <laughs> yeah. Right? And yet, I see what are you driving? He's driving a better car than me. Then I go to his apartment in L.A. Where you living? He's living in a better place than me. I go, wait, wait a minute. You don't work for a company, you don't want... No, it's just his ability to create business, to create tumult, as they say. And and he's been his own man, man. I gotta respect him for that, you know?
1: Thank you. Did you... And even, and, and
0: even my man over there, he's agreeing with me. <laughs>
1: dad did something similar to this at Denny's the other day. Denny? you remember I told you? Yeah. Like, my dad gave me the big ups and told me he was proud of me. You you had a heart-to-heart. I I feel this, right? That's sweet. Did you feel pressure along the way ever to keep it going? Like, once you, because once you get to a certain level, like a couple number one hits and TV show, is there a lot of pressure to, like, okay, now I got to, like, what's next? No, I'll tell you
0: why. I know this sounds ridiculous, but I'll tell you why. Since I'm a kid, I always wanted to be in show business, right? Since I saw Singing in the Rain with Gene Kelly, I was nine years old. I said to myself then, I don't care if I pull the curtain in a theater or work the spotlight in a theater, I will never not be in show business. So my theory was, worst that can happen to me is I pull the curtain at the theater. I'll always be in the business that I love so i never thought about pressure to get get it the next hit record i just want to cut a record and hope for the best um if there was ever a time i felt pressure it's now Mm. more now because i'm 75 years old i still have to work remember when we had our hit records in the 70s those acts in the 70s We're in the 90% tax bracket. That means 90% of the dollar went to taxes.
1: So if you made a million dollars back then, 900 grand.
0: Yes, if we're in that pay category, yes.
1: That is criminal.
0: So that's (laughs) why you see so many people from that era working their butts off because they weren't keeping the money that they were once. The Reagan presidency came in, and it went down to 33 and a third percent.
2: Oh, my gosh.
0: Oh, my God is right. And then, <laughs> oh. and then, <laughs> you know, listen to this. If you played London, which you had to do because you had the British invasion, it was now one country, really, musically, right? Right. You paid 90% taxes there. 90% taxes. Tax. So you had to have loopholes, right? So you had the traveling expenses, et cetera, et cetera. But you were still up in the 90, 90 cents on the dollar went to the U.S. government. Wow. And
2: then your managers and the production team. Now you take your
0: overhead. Everything. You take oh your overhead. Gosh. And then you go, well, What? wait a minute. You almost can't afford to go on the road. I know, you're like, I'm <laughs> so just I'll give you an example. The house that you and walk lived back in. And forth. The house that you brought up in in Brentwood. <laughs> wow, that's amazing we paid $425,000 for. Yeah. My accountant said, you can't afford this house.
1: Get it. That was like in 77.
0: Correct. Yep. I said, I'm sorry, I'm buying this house. I don't care if I lose the house. I ain't working this hard and not feeling my success. Right. I'm going into this house. Okay, we stayed in that house till 1983. Yep. We sold that house in 1983 for $2.5 million. Good for you. From 77 to 93. Now, uh, 83. Now, in 83, because of the Reagan presidency, the taxes was only 33 and a third percent. Therefore, we made a good killing, your mother and I. Right. Okay, so now, that same house, you and I drive up to, and there's a guy standing out there with, Franny, there's a little guy, a Indian guy sitting out there, and I said, hey, I used to live here. Oh, you Tony Orlando? He said, yeah. He goes, come, i show you what I do in my house. He did nothing. I walk into the house. Oh, beautiful. Oh, yeah, beautiful. He goes, uh, how much you pay for this house? I go, well, first let me ask you what it cost you to buy this house. He goes, 22 million. Yeah. Yeah. So he looks at me and he goes... Well, you pay for it, I said. I'm not telling you. <laughs> no. He said, "Tell me." I said, "Nope, I'm not telling you. <laughs> nope, because she will have a heart attack if I tell you. What I, yeah. Like the heart attack I'm going to have right now for selling right, oh, right. Was you." Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It goes both ways. It
1: goes both ten ways, like, <gasps>
0: times what I got for it, he got oh. to sell. He bought it for ten times.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: So the '70s was a great. Part of my uh, success of becoming known, but it wasn't a big financial success right. because, like Natalie just said, you know, overhead, salaries, band salaries, costumes for Telman Joyce, ba da 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 and so now in my to go back to what we were saying in my seventies, now I feel the pressure. Why? Because casinos want younger performers. Casinos want uh, tribute bands right. on New Year's Eve. They don't wanna pay the money to a, to a, a known act. So you gotta really scrape and fight and, to get whatever gigs you can when you're 75. Yeah. That's the only time I have ever felt pressure in this business is now. In the past, I didn't care. In the past, I was grateful. In the past, I made what I made. Now, I have to make that to make up for what I didn't make those years past. Sinatra, for instance. Sinatra, you wonder why would the Rack Pack have to work like so hard in the 80s and 90s? They were in the 90% tax bracket since the 40s. Crazy. I didn't even think
1: that was a thing.
2: 90%. So
0: now whoever's running for president, forget, wow. your, forget what party you're with, and you hear the word higher taxes, and you hear the words 70% or 80%, don't vote for that person. <laughs> 100%. percent yeah. i tell you why, because you're no, working yeah. for the government then. Yeah. You're not working for your family. 100%. Right.
2: Did you ever have any uh, rituals that you would do before a show? Did you have like a 10-minute moment of silence? Did you have like a little a routine that you did? Or just like, were you superstitious at all? Did you have like...
0: Um, I remember walking in circles in fear
2: just everything really? oh, yeah. just the nerves even to this day
0: oh if I don't do have do nerves I'm done
2: yeah it's true that's the adrenaline rush that you got
0: now I, my nerves today aren't quite the same as they were then my nerves right before I went on I was I was very very worried very scared
2: even by your third show but I would
0: use it but I would use it.
1: Before the TV show or before like live stuff or just, just anything? Just in general. Anything. anything.
0: And when I was in the wings, I was I was a nervous wreck.
1: Mm-hmm. So crazy.
2: I got like that, if I have two shows a night, I get really nervous my first show, the second show it's, it's like muscle memory. It's just like, but the first one I always get it nervous.
0: Now, I don't get nervous about doing the show, I get nervous, is there anybody out there? <laughs> <laughs> Am I drawing? Yeah. Did they come to the that show?
1: That one waiter. My stuff. They I still come. come. They still come. I, I mean, would
2: die if you just had a show just for that one waiter. You you <laughs> posted today. a
1: you posted a photo on Instagram a few months ago. You were back east somewhere. There must have been 10 15,000 people it somewhere. Was 15, 000, where, where was that? Yeah. Connecticut PNC or? Park. PNC. Okay. Yeah. So they still come. They
0: still come. Yeah. I sometimes I wonder, you know, but I don't you know, What really gets me, Jano, is that In this business, you strike up. You know, it's the only business in the world, show business, where you can walk into a room full of strangers and leave with a whole bunch of new friends. You walk in, you don't know anybody, and then you walk out of there, I got new friends.
2: True.
0: And and, and then everybody in that audience becomes your PR agent. That's why I don't understand some performers get nasty to their audience. Because that one person will tell in their lifetime countless amount of people yeah. how much they loved you and the show and how nice you were to them. Well, that's an automatic press agent. And I think that's what kept me working all these years. Yeah. Because, you know, I haven't had a hit record since Lincoln was president. <laughs> I think Lincoln was president when I had a hit. <laughs> and oh, I'm still... Like and five I'm years still, ago,
2: yeah. I'm, and I'm
0: still working, Natalie. And I'm... And, um, <gasps> I really believe it's because I said thank you. I never turned down an autograph. I was always nice to. If somebody had a family in the hospital, said, "Give me the phone, call them." You know, those seeds.
2: That extra special. You touch.
0: reap what you sow, right? So those seeds, you 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 drop enough good seeds, you're gonna have one hell of a beautiful forest in your lifetime. As long as the seeds are well-meaning, you're gonna have flowers and trees. It's gonna be beautiful. But if you don't, you're gonna have a desert.
1: Mm. And now you're That's working on know. something really cool. You, you, you wrote a Broadway play about you.
2: What?
0: I did, it's going to Broadway. Um, it's a bit of a challenge to get a theater. We have the money, we have the script, we have our director, Michael Wilson, great director, won Academy Award nomination and I won a, 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 a Tony for his work with Cicely Tyson. And I can't even name all the musicals he's done, but yeah. full. So we got everything in, in ready to go. But we need to find we need to cast a Tony. You know? I've written fifteen songs. Amazing. Aside from the hits, I've written fifteen I love songs with him. and with I love you that. you
1: didn't really write songs until later in your career. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I was intimidated of them, right? because
0: of Carole King. You know, I worked with Carole King, Burt Bacharach, Barry Mann, these people who were in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. and They've gotten the Academy Award winning movies as songwriters. <clears throat> and I worked with them. I was intimidated. I said, like, I ain't writing. Are you kidding me? I'm going to sit there and write next to Carole King? that uh But as I got older, I didn't care. I so said, I'm going to write. I'm gonna write. So when the when Bob Book, the benefactor, who said, I want you to do this play of your life, he's a thirty-five-year friend of mine. Very wealthy and very kind and very supportive. And I didn't think I went, I didn't think we should do a play, John. I thought everybody and his brother is gonna do a Jersey Boys. We'll lose credibility because oh not another one, you know, like that. I said, look, let me write down a synopsis for myself. And if there's a really worth there, I'll write a couple of songs. Well, I wrote 15. <laughs> and so if you take the hits the girls and I had, plus the 15, there's your score. Yeah. And the scenes, the, the songs that I wrote, as you know, you heard them, yeah. drive the scene, as they should the Broadway show. I wanted to write a traditional Broadway show, Natalie. I didn't want to do what they call a jukebox show, nothing wrong with that. I wanted to do more of a traditional show where there was original music as well as the hits. So lo and behold, when when the script is read back, when the music is played to it, I go, you know what? It really is a good show. Now, Broadway is a weird animal. You never know. You could have the biggest hit or the biggest bomb. And everybody goes in, sure, they have a hit. Either way, I accomplished it. So I've already won. I've written a beautiful musical about my life and all the good things that's happened to me and the bad. And, uh, you know, so here we go. We'll see what happens
2: that's exciting. Congratulations. It's a big Thank
1: deal. you. Yeah. Thank you. Where did where did the songs come from? How did how did you go from not writing songs to being intimidated to all of a sudden you wrote little How many is it? 14 songs, 15 songs. 15. I've heard all of them. They're not good. They're great. Like I'm his toughest <laughs> critic. Yeah, thank you. Like yeah, you are tough. You know, because um, like I'm like well, cause I just feel like someone has to be like even I just feel like someone has to be the one person that like you know is gonna always tell you <laughs> the John truth. And John is yes. definitely that and one oh, person. Yes, man. <laughs> I took that role. Oh, look at you! you know? yeah. Did you yeah. cast him? Oh,
0: and he usually Stopped nails it every time. You know,
1: yeah. <laughs> like, like blown away. Like you talked down the whole show to me. From scene to scene, transition to transition, and then played me the song, and then you're like, "Hey, then after this song, we're gonna go to this." Here's what happens. <laughs> it's a masterpiece. I cannot, I cannot wait, wait see for this, this to come out. It's
0: well, you know, something happened in the show the other night that you were there, Ty. You remember at the I ad-libbed shout at the end of the show.
1: Yeah.
0: Reason I did that was, remember the girl that I that came with you guys, and I said she'd make a perfect Aretha Frank.
1: Angela Teak.
0: <laughs> so. The first time I ever sang Halfway to Paradise, my first record, I was being introduced to a convention of record people that works exclusively for the label I was on. The label I was on is Epic Records. I was the first pop artist to sign to Epic. Well, of course, Epic became Michael Jackson's, J. Lo's label, it became a big label, but it's the subsidiary label to Columbia Records. So the two artists that they were presenting that day was Aretha Franklin on Columbia. She was new, and myself. She sang a song called Rockabaya Baby as her first record. And I had to sing my first record, Halfway to Paradise. So what happens, I had to follow her. So she goes out, and I mean Jono. She finishes the song, and it was, Standing people screaming, stomping, streaming. She comes off stage and I said, I said, Miss Franklin, I said, I can't follow you. I are you kidding? Look at these people. She goes, winning down, honey. Take him to church. <laughs> so I kind of knew what she went meant, but I really didn't know. How do I do that? So I get out there, I start my song Halfway to Paradise, and everybody in the audience is talking to each other, not paying attention. And say, "Hey Joe, hey Bill, come on!" That Aretha girl was something. I'm going, "You leave me," and I'm bombing (laughs) big time. So I turn around and I see Aretha, and she gives me the sign of the cross, (laughs) like this, just like that. Take him to church. I turn around to the conductor and I said. Do you know Shout by the Isley Brothers? He goes, I do, what key? I said, C. He hits the C chord and I go into Shout. You know, you make me one, Well, when I hit Shout, Aretha comes out on the piano and she starts doing it with me. And I go, now, wait a minute. And she goes, yeah, yeah, wait a minute. And I go, oh my God. Now we're doing a duet on Shout together and we kill this audience. And I end Shout with the carol king song you leave me halfway to paradise only so yet so far good night everybody and i walk off with aretha and they're going and ladies and gentlemen that's our new artist on epic records along with aretha franklin a name you'll always remember a voice you will never forget tony orlando yay and i'm going oh my god so i put that scene you're the first what? to know a this story? in the show Oh. So now that scene will be in the show with Aretha I and hope I. So. so when I met your friend, yeah. oh
2: okay.
0: I walked out and I went, I found my Aretha.
1: Yeah. And and Angela, Angela Teak, you actually voted for on
0: Star Search. I got Which the winning vote she made her $100,000. So Natalie Aww.
1: doesn't watch American Idol, America's Got Talent, long before no, those no, shows. No, 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 I never
2: said that. American the, Idol, yes. Oh,
1: Idol you watch. Okay, so, so Star Search was the first American Idol, yeah. sort of, so sort to of speak. The,
0: or uh, the first... Uh, really, uh, I'm first America's Got Talent
1: because it wasn't just America's Got Talent, yeah. Because yeah. it had comedians, actors, everything, yeah. and
0: Because uh, Rosie O'Donnell won that.
1: Right, but, uh, right.
0: As a comedian. Yeah. but but But... but the show now, take a moment like that. And people don't know about me. And you're sitting on Broadway, and you watch just lady come out and do a refund. And then I come out, and, we end, and that was the beginning of my career. You're going to sit up a little bit, I think.
2: Yeah. You know
0: what I mean? Yeah. Then, I had the breakdown. Freddie Prince dies, passes away. I make a comeback. You know, the life really did have its ups and downs, but in the end... It, it, what, what you leave with is I, met, I come back and do a show called Barnum on Broadway. So it goes from 10 years old to 1980. That's the length of the show. And my last words to the audience is, at that point, to be continued. So the truth is, the career did continue after that. But those were the years that really people know me. They know the TV show, they know the girls, they know the Broadway moment, they know the breakdown, they know the hits, they know the television show. All that compounds into one, hopefully, hit show. It will. And the name wait. of the show is Rooftop Dreams. Rooftop Dreams.
1: So before we get out of here, we are in the Trago Lounge of the Tropicana. Yes, we are. Tropicana has been beautiful here. Beautiful here, too. It's beautiful, right? The Trop has been here for, for many, many years. Do you have any Tropicana stories, anything? I know you've never performed here, but did you ever have any any uh, Tropicana uh, history? Do we have time? Yeah, go, we we
0: got it. My story about the Tropicana is a story about my wife, Franny. So Franny and I come into the Tropicana to see, I think it was Sammy Davis. Who had a TV show, believe it or not, oh. in the Tropicana, or a pilot or something going on? Okay. And we're coming out, and Franny says, "Do you have a hundred dollars?" I feel it in my bones.
1: Uh oh! Yeah. I like where this is headed.
0: I said, "What are you feeling your bones? Arthritis? What do you got?" What, what <laughs> is it raining outside?
1: <laughs> she goes,
0: "No, no, no! I'm going to hit the jackpot. I want to. I want to I, I play a slot machine." I said, Franny, listen, when we leave here, we we got we to get to the airport because right away we're going to airport. Please don't take a long time, okay? I'll go over and have a cup of coffee in the coffee shop and wait for you. Well, five, 10, 15 minutes go by, 20 minutes go by. Franny comes walking into the coffee shop. I feel it in my bones. Give me a hundred more. I said, Fran, so she on. lost
1: the first hundred.
0: Yeah. Okay. I said, You lost That's the fir- She says, No, 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 really. I'm telling you. I, I'm telling you. I know when this happens to me, I just know. Okay. Take the hundred and give me 25 for the guy who's holding my machine. <laughs> wait, wait a second. You got a guy holding <laughs> your machine? You're paying $25 to hold your machine?
2: I like her. I love <laughs> it.
0: She goes, I'm telling you, I feel it in my bones. <gasps> I wait in the coffee shop, 15, oh, we're gonna miss our flight, ah, uh, the hell with it, my phone rings, No, oh, she comes walking back, she comes back, waving the money like this, I hit the jackpot, $12,500, I said, get over here, <laughs> right now, come here, she goes like this, wait, one, two, there's your 200. I puts the rest in the pocket. I said, wait a second. There's something wrong with this picture. This is not right.
1: <laughs> what do you incredible. mean?
0: I get 200 back and you keep the yeah, rest? There's no 50-50.
1: You got your initial... She <laughs> felt it in her bones. Did you
2: feel it in your bones? Yeah, yeah. No. I
0: felt pain awesome. in my bones. She,
2: she felt it. Felt that right.
0: awesome. That's funny. That's I my tropical story. But the trop, you know, let me tell you. <laughs> the trop in, in its day and you know when you talk old school when i walked in here i like that old school don't get me wrong i love the new hotels too they're gorgeous and they're beautiful and yeah but there's something about the funkiness and the just the earthiness of an old school gaming yeah hotel there still has it yeah and that and yet there's they're They're renovated they're adding beauty in here yeah in more ways than one
1: (laughs) well this was really this was a lot
2: of fun i know i could just go hours with you you got anything
0: you want to add
1: no
2: i just i just want (laughs) to
0: thanks for co-hosting i just want to hang out with you all the time and just hear your like
2: (laughs) this (laughs) whole time
0: thanks for co-hosting John. oh no thank you for doing this this was really a lot of fun anytime I didn't feel weird either. It felt good.
1: Cool. Yeah. Good it energy, good. right? Good, because you're coming back again. Yeah, I yeah hope so. more stories. Ty,
0: on the next podcast, if it's okay with the hosts, I'd like to have you sit with us. I like and it. You, and you add some of your stories. Okay. All Would right. That'd be cool. Done
1: deal. Done. The next time we have Dad on the show, Ty is jumping in front yes, of the camera. Sir. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye, Vegas guys. junkies.
0: I love Vegas junkies. Good.
1: That was good stuff.